0: Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences now here is your host Rhonda grant
1: welcome to the Rhonda grant show sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled has she been inspired by a calling crafted her journey or a bit of both i invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. My guest today is linguistic, evolutionary, and educational entertainer, Laurel Erica, the creator of Word Magic Global, wordplay that unravels mass hypnosis and elevates the frequency of consciousness. Welcome to the show, Laurel. Thank you so
0: much, Rhonda. A delight to be here with you.
1: I am so pleased and excited to have you on the show. I love listening to your poetry and the play that you have on words that I have never heard of or experienced in my life. And I'd like you to take us back to earlier times when you started realizing that you could use words to your benefit or to the benefit of others.
0: Well, I started playing with words in early childhood and was sure I knew all the words in the English language when I was three. And I think the reason I was so certain was because this lifetime is picking up from the previous and the work that I am convinced that I was doing back then. I actually have evidence of that, which I I could share, but it isn't necessary. I think it's true for all of us. And I came across a word maybe just a few years ago that I so appreciate, which is anamnesis, A-N-A-M-N-E-S-I-S, and it means the soul's recollection of what it knew from a prior lifetime.
1: Oh, I love that. I and love that.
0: Isn't yes, so that means that all this work we've done on our evolutionary journey, and whether it was a prior lifetime or a simultaneous lifetime or someone in our soul family, <clears throat> we are all building what we have come to understand. And I believe that all of us here are here purpose and with a message. And we find what it is by what lights us up the most. And words are what have really illumined me since early childhood. So I started playing with them when I was three years old. I remember looking at the word level. My father was a painter and an artist. Uh, Mm -hmm. He'd he'd create his own frames. He needed a carpenter's level to create them, the frames for his paintings. And I was fascinated at the little bubble in the center uh, when something was level, but also fascinated by the fact that level is a level word. It's L-E-V, and the V is like a fulcrum, Mm -hmm. E-L, reading it frontward or backward, So I saw that level was a level word. And I just went on from there, playing with letters and playing with words and reaching a conclusion that words might be more closely related by sound than by meaning. For instance, the word ascent means many things. It Mm -hmm. means to climb up, you know, to elevate our status it means to agree. And when we are agreeable, we elevate our social status. Mm. And conversely, dissent means to disagree and to decline in status, to go from a higher to a lower position. So I saw all of these echoes and reflections. And while our culture looks at what a word means, without looking at what the word mean means. (laughs) And, And mean means not only signification, but it means cruel, it means shabby, it means nasty and average. And we talk about what words mean and we talk about time in terms of meanwhile. And so there's all of these different significations and single sounds that have been mostly ignored as irrelevant, but in ancient cultures and in contemporary Hindu and Chinese culture, when words share a sound, people feel compelled to find a connection between them. So that was not going on when I was growing up. But words that have the same sound and different meanings called homonyms or (laughs) puns, they were disregarded as irrelevant or a joke and nonsensical. And so I felt kind of like a nonsensical person, because in my mind, they made sense. And so I was kind of, I don't know what the word would be dismissed as foolish. And yet over time, finding these words that have the same sound and different meanings, and a lot of people just to step back from this, a lot of people find my work on YouTube, uh, primarily a video I made in 2010 called The Secret Spells of the English Language. And so this is when I share what I call our premier life sentence. And are you familiar with it, um, Rhonda? Do you no. know that?
1: No. I'd oh, like well, you to explain
0: that. I would love to. So yes. the sentence goes this way. We awake each morning and go off during the weekdays to earn our living at various jobs and undertakings until we come to the weekend. And this seems like the normal way of things. However, more people die of heart failure between 6 and 10 a.m. Monday morning than any other time of the week. And I first heard that from Dr. Chopra Mm-hmm. and later affirmed it with medical personnel there are more heart-related deaths monday mornings so i explained that what i do is a translation of the english language and i spell that t-r-a-n-c-e with the idea that words put us in a trance by casting spells mm-hmm. and when you translate that life sentence you, we awake each morning. You remember that awake is a funeral party for the dead, and mourning is the state we're in when we attend awake. So when we say to each other "good morning," we're essentially saying "good grief." And we would have to be staggering around like zombies in a week days to earn the living, since earns are vases for the ashes of the dead. And we call our jobs undertakings. Entrepreneur means undertaker. Job is a Hebrew word for persecuted, like Job in the Bible. And what we get at the end of this perverse bargain with life is progressively weakened. And so our most prevalent greeting to each other is, hello and when you reverse the syllables you get oh hell so when i put that together um sometime in the 90s i thought well this is very curious but there was a big so what for me Mm -hmm. then i realized language is software and english is the leading software of the western mind and it's filled with cultural biases that are akin to computer viruses that infect our thinking with an antiquated and manipulated vision of reality promulgated by the ancient church as an instrument of mind control at a time when people had to surrender their minds if they wanted to keep their heads about them, quite literally. So I realized, which I'll explain in verse, if we elect collectively To upgrade the English language to a higher frequency through our linguistic creativity and naturally occurring verbal eccentricities, then ultimately, even clatter from our idle chatter, prattle patter, blabber blabber, and palaver as we jabber gab and babble on will turn our glowing terms from verbal vapor, either hanging in the air or trapped on paper into tiny bits of shiny matter as we gather chat and natter on and with new skillet trilling thrilling statements that instill fulfilling imagery of higher possibilities will finally still the quiet riot of the wild child's manic panic through the mind. So we can flip the switch enlightening every circuit of our consciousness with the electric surge of verbiage that encourages superb and selfless services to spread from soul to soul by what is said around the globe in all the light years up ahead. And then from the islands of silence between all that's spoken, we will listen as doors to the heartland spring open. So that's the whole thing in a nutshell. And after I recognized that language was software and could be upgraded, it must have been late 98, because in early 99, someone gave me a letter to the editor from the Wall Street Journal titled Corrupted Language, The Great Destroyer. And it quotes Socrates as saying that incorrect language is not only a mistake, It implants evil in men's souls, and Confucius is quoted in it from Analects 13.3, saying that If given charge of the governance of a country or the administration of it, the first thing he would do would be to correct the language. And he explains that if language is incorrect, then what is said is not what is meant. And if what is said is not what is meant, then what needs to get done remains undone. And if this remains undone, arts and morals deteriorate, justice goes astray, and people stand around in helpless confusion. So that was 2,500 years ago. Orwell has said similar things, that politics corrupts language, and language, once corrupted, has corrupting real-world influence, but that we can start making a difference by working on the verbal end. So that's what word magic is about. I started playing with words in early childhood, And I made discoveries. And while I thought that maybe my theory that homonyms, words with the same sound but different meanings, are more more closely related than synonyms, which are words that share a similar meaning but are very different from each other, um, that I felt that words related were, were more closely related by sound than by meaning, and that was considered preposterous. But it, I realized it was a bridge to recognizing that what needs to happen is a whole upgrade of language. And when I discovered that Confucius had said that very same thing, I felt very vindicated.
1: Mm-hmm. When we speak, and and you you touched on this, and I really really love that you did, is that our words are vibrations. And they go out into the world, and sometimes those words, like spells, come back to us. Yes, and, and
0: many scientists, Greg Braden, Dr. Bruce Lipton, and yeah. others talk about how words, a single word can upregulate or downregulate a cell. Okay, and- And I understand that uh, Russian geneticists and linguists are working together to change DNA expression through words alone, rather than slicing and dicing. So we all grew up hearing that in the beginning, there was the word and the word was God. But we haven't really understood what word, what does that mean? And what power do we have as speakers of the word? So I'm And part of what I do is explain that on the tips of our tongue and fingers, we have enormous power to create or to destroy. And there's continuous manipulation of language going on in uh, Canada, in the US, all over the world to make things seem different than what we know that they are. And the woke agenda is, I just came across a quote from Thucydides and Mm -hmm. I'm in the midst of completing a paper that will be part of an anthology. And so let me just find this statement by Thucydides that's so relevant today. He was um, an Athenian historian and and a general. And he said, in uh, 2,500 years ago or more, in writing about the war between Athens and Siberia, he said that in a society that falls into this confusion of language and morality, It is not that society cannot come about, but that the existing society collapses. The animalistic power struggle of man's libido is released as a result of this moral confusion and corruption of language. So I included that in what I'm writing and added that Given how many people today are defining themselves primarily by how they like to satisfy their libido and then demanding that ordinary words be changed in meaning to accommodate their sex changes, we can see that Thucydides was exactly right. And then I quote in this piece uh, Mm -hmm. from Václav Havel, who uh, is a Nobel Peace Prize laureate. He said the tragedy of modern man is not that he knows less and less about the meaning of his own life, but that it bothers him less and less. So right now we're standing on the precipice of to be or not to be, whether we are going to continue to exist and whether we can not, you know, I don't know whether it's about finding meaning in life or creating it for ourselves. I created meaning and my own entertainment playing with words. I I felt like quite an outcast in uh, family and society, but I had something that lit me up. And that brings to mind for me something I discovered pretty recently, which is that in the word trauma, is Aum, A-U-M, the Sanskrit word for the vibration at the essence of all existence. So I saw, okay, if Om is at the center of trauma, then our pain must be a pathway to our purpose. And all of us are meant to be wounded healers. And in this same paper, I quote um, Thornton Wilder, who was a prize-winning 20th century writer, and he said, Without your wounds, where would your power be? The very angels themselves cannot persuade the wretched and blundering children on earth, as can one human being broken on the wheels of living. In love service, only the
1: wounded soldiers can serve. It's so beautiful and so enlightened. It's very enlightening. And so, you know, uh, since I started listening to you, and uh, when I was listening to different podcasts you've been on, is my brain, I felt like my brain was rewiring. <laughs> and it sometimes it actually hurts. Because I've never heard, and a lot of people who are listening today have never heard a person put together words the way you put them together, and it changes how the brain is feeling, and I love that. I mean, you're changing my brain during this podcast and even before the podcast. (laughs) That's so
0: heartening to hear. Rhonda, thank you so much. And for many years, people would tell me, or many years ago, people saying, I feel like I'm growing new antennae out of the brain. It's like I was in my early journaling today, I was realizing, well, let me see if I can find it because I stated it better. I'm a lovely friend, a podcaster he asked me to write an essay for an anthology and once i start writing i i get carried away by the words i never know where (laughs) it's going to take me how long it's going to take me i feel very much like the servant (laughs) Uh, and so what was occurring to me today was that well First of all, Ralph Waldo Emerson described Mm -hmm. the English language as the sea which receives tributaries from every region under heaven. And so I was looking at the word sea, which is S-E-A, S-E-E, and the letter C. And the sea is the mother of creation. The ocean is the womb of evolution on the planet. Our vision, how we see things, is how they become. So it's almost alphabetical. As we see it, so be it. And then the word sea is the beginning or the letter C of creation. Mm-hmm. And so, as I wrote, just as sea creatures are unaware of the element in which they swim, so we too as sea creatures, S-E-E, have been unaware that words form the sea of sound, that is the element through which we see the world into being through the power of our consciousness amplified by our oceanic emotions. And then it goes on to talk about, um, given that English is the most widely spoken language on earth and is filled with secret spells that may betray us, I propose a collective creative upgrade of English to help accelerate global awakenings consciously. So I'm glad you feel impacted by it. This is, these are my, my biggest goals and greatest dreams is to become as fully conscious and available instrument of infinite intelligence which is something each and all of us can do and then apply it to our our lives and all our relationships and our creative expression because if if we're in it for the feeling if everything we're doing is to gain a certain feeling And like the feeling of love or the feeling of empowerment, the feeling of beauty, all of these are qualities of being that we can uh, cultivate and embody and amplify. And as we do, our feelings, the the exquisite pleasure of these feelings, I invented a word for it because there just isn't a word Mm -hmm. for that high level of exquisite pleasure that really goes along with Freud's idea that it all starts with the pleasure principle but he left that with you know the orifices of the body that's mm-hmm. being the source of pleasure but as our consciousness rises our what pleasures us gets higher finer, and more exquisitely delicious. So the word I invented to encapsulate that quality of pleasure in a fun and humorous way is meta-transensuous, suprasexual, para No need to write that down. But I put that together, meta, trans, mm-hmm. all of those para are words about being above so it's like higher and higher levels and boy we can really pleasure ourselves through loving kindness and yeah be in a, a state of beauty and joy all on our own even without those things we think we most need in order to feel them fully and and having that from the outside is divine and delicious. And I certainly am open to more of that. And I do believe that as I continue to elevate my expression and intentions behind them, that uh, more of that magnetically gravitates to me.
1: Mm -hmm. You are very effective with your words because, you know, that word that you put together, my elevation went up when you did that. So I'm feeling an elevation of my soul. I'm feeling my heart. And I'm feeling my brain, I have to feel my brain, because I I have to keep up with what you're describing. And so being in your presence is calling me to be in my present state, which is a really high state. Because when a person is in the company of greatness, I don't even want to speak. I just want you to continue uh, to let the audience know everything that you can share with them so that they may feel the way I do in my heart, in my brain, in my soul, in my spirit, because I feel that's what you're giving. And the words that you're describing is transferring the feeling that you have inside of you to others. And I'm just blown away by it and Thank have you. been every time I listen to you. Where would you like to take us now? Well, two
0: things. Uh, one is you spoke about presence. And as you know, I have a new holiday book. It's the first time I'm publishing something since 2010. Yes. And it's not for a lack of material that I haven't published, but um, I spent a lot of time serving other people as a writer editor and it's expensive publishing at times and so this time though earlier in the year i decided i wanted to produce a holiday book and i wanted to take a poem that i'd written in the early 90s at the request of a friend and to turn it into an illustrated book And he'd asked me to write a piece about everything wrong with the world and to make it funny. And so I wrote a piece called Gifts of Presence. And as you know, the world has gotten funnier and funnier in the least hilarious way possible. And so it's felt appropriate to share gifts of presence. And I originally started Uh, working or exploring the possibility of working with a couple of artists to produce the illustrations for this book. And that was an unsuccessful venture. It never could have taken place as quickly or as effectively as I found I could uh, create through AI. So I turned to AI and I started putting in prompts from the poem and got amazing illustrations. So what I would like to do is share the poem, Gifts of Presence with you and your audience right now. And um, if people enjoy it and would like to have a copy, you'll be able to go on my wordmagicglobal.com website and go to the store and you'll see Gifts of Presence. Which will uh, you'll find is purchasable as a little six by six illustrated gift book as well as an ebook. So if you're uh interested in hearing it, I'll share it now.
1: Oh, I can't wait.
0: Thank you. So it goes this way: Everyone has noticed now that time is flying faster what's far less clear is if we're near transcendence or disaster. So I'd like to suggest we all do our best to eat, drink, and be merry. But times also require we find the wisdom and fire to become extraordinary. First off, To help the human race avoid a grim conclusion, we are called upon together to surrender the illusion that the treasures of this world could ever render satisfaction since in fact, it's their pursuit that's caused this negative reaction wherein everything required for just our minimal subsistence has been compromised so thoroughly it threatens our existence. We have watched our problems escalate to critical proportions, and our cherished notions dissipate to ludicrous distortions, but have often overlooked our parts and failed to understand that till we change the cause within ourselves, we'll live in backward land. In backward land, we kill for peace and die for a good time. We covet wealth as well as uh, we covet wealth instead of health, are entertained by crime. In backward land, we love extremes. We're haunted by our empty dreams, keep spirits bottled, children throttled, and hope to God to be redeemed. So we can prosecute polluters, capture bank and dime store looters, wage a war against oppression, try to limit our aggression, and inhibit human nature through a zealous legislature. But as long as it's official, all such change is superficial, while the generative neurosis just grows all the more explosive. And so we persecute the destitute. Deny the truth, and then commute the sentences of menaces whose villainy is so acute it costs our country's confidence in justice and benevolence. Though many laugh at this insanity, use Jesus for profanity and sanction in humanity, we're flattering our vanity to think that a democracy can outlast such hypocrisy. It's when truth's reduced to black and white with them that's wrong and us that's right that everything seems justified from fraud to murder, suicide. But once we're all wore out from war and can't afford it anymore, what is it finally we'll have won through all the damage that we've done with righteous rage and a blazing gun? The chance. A golden age could come it's plainly backward not to see there's never been an enemy but only faces in a mirror that fill our hearts with dread and fear and keep us blindly striking out to slay the beast that lurks about the edges of our conscious mind as nemesis to humankind this shadow has us on the run which makes drugged stupors seem like fun, since people make the grave mistake to think there's less pain if they're less awake. When in fact, it's living in absentia that breeds this ruinous dementia and not some evil deity who lures us into slavery for God is really all there is. As you'll notice, If a devil lived, it would be backward, anti-life, the source of all our pain and strife. And though we have these maladies, they're largely self-imposed realities. Once our hearts and minds are reunited, then the universe won't appear divided. In truth. We are divine creations expressing through our incarnations the spirit's endless variations. And no place exists where we can be divorced from our divinity, but in our minds. For we are free to choose the path to liberty or bind ourselves with fear and doubt and think we have to fight it out with other beings for worthless things that neither peace nor gladness bring. So during all the holidays if you want to skip the shopping craze by which we deify the profit, there's a simple way you can get off it. Just remember the season in its essence is not about gifts, but about the presence. And most of us wonder with that other stuff, if we've got too much of nothing, or we haven't got enough. As we view our lives through the end of the year and do all that we can to be of good cheer, it can help to remember that the goddess Isis, who resides at the heart of every crisis, first brings through forth death and then renewal. So that we may remember that the ultimate jewel that we can attain in our human existence through the lessening of our blind resistance is the wisdom to know our divine creator is the source of fulfillment so much greater than anything we could hope to attain through strategies on this earthly plane. And we don't wise up till we're out on a limb and think our chance for survival slim. Then we look again and the limbs not there, which plunges us into grave despair, where we gain a gift for potent prayer and then the strategies to walk on air. And that's what it takes to avoid the sin of blowing ourselves to oblivion and having to follow the 23rd Psalm with, we're sorry, God, but Adam bombed. We share one heart, our mother earth, and prevent her death with our own rebirth. For we know the earth's one living whole, so ourselves are cells of the oversoul, which means each prospers or each one loses and each, not God, in silence chooses. So the key to global happiness is for all to work in consciousness, to transmute negativity and embrace a higher destiny so let's reaffirm a resolution to fulfill our role in this soul solution as there's still a chance that we can win if we all call forth the god within for when love shines through us like the sun then will the human race be one. Then will the human race be one. That's gifts of presence.
1: Beautiful and so profound. Thank it's you. like you're a prophet.
0: Thank you. So Somewhere I have that line. Um, when I, then, when we give our words, if they can't be broken, we shall. Spin gold every time they are spoken. This may seem absurd, but let no one scoff it. For when truth be told, it shall make us profit. That's from Open Heart Synchrony, which is um, included in my book called Word Magic, Word Play that Puts a New Spin on the World.
1: Yes. You alluded to and talked to the soul
0: Probably in the word anamnesis and uh, the the soul's recollection of what it knew from prior lifetimes.
1: Yes, that's right. And so can you speak a little bit about that? Because a lot of people are curious about our soul. And if we actually have been here before, and this is another evolution of our soul's journey. Well, I'm not an authority. There are spiritual teachers
0: and people who've had a lot of direct downloads from higher frequencies. That sounds divine. Has not yet been my experience. So I can just say that I am convinced we each have an essence, Mm -hmm. an essence that is enduring. And that, I mean, there are many, Greg Braden, Elon Musk. Let's say we're living in a matrix and yes. I, I can show in language, I have a poem I wrote years ago called, is the world a matrix made out of word tricks? Because of how country names, some countries are named for what they do. So I have read books on life between lives and pre-life planning. I do believe we do this repeatedly yeah, I also believe we all chose to be here at this time. And I have anthem for our era called Speaking Beauty. I And there's a wonderful quote I came upon again today that I have. Let's see if I can find it in a hurry. Great crises. This is by the uh, author, teacher Michael Mead. He said, great crises and impossible tasks can uncover hidden resources, and reveal veins of genius that can alter the course of history. Each soul desires to be part of something greater, something larger than life, for we each harbor within ourselves a larger life and a greater self, waiting to become known genius is the expression of the sacred in each individual and we must nurture and maintain our genius until it's complete it, until it's complete birth in the world so i've seen different definitions for soul and spirit i can't really speak to that i can just say i feel very connected to my own essence which I do believe is eternal. And I believe that we enter this movie, this stage set called Planet Earth to have Mm -hmm. particular interactions that will enable us to cultivate qualities of being that we need a body and emotions and friction and contrast and challenge in order to be able to transcend what has kept us operating at a certain level in order to break through to another level. So I think at the moment, that's the best I can do in an Mm -hmm. effort to respond to your question. Oh,
1: it's wonderful. I love what you've said about that. What would you say to the people who are not really in touch with the essence of who they are, because they're afraid of being who they've come here to be, Because they may be judged, not that they will be judged, but they may be judged. And, you know, an example of that, I'm a prime example of that, and I'm sure there's many. And I had a near-death experience. I was T-boned. I was Uh T-boned at uh, 55 miles an hour. Uh And I was the only one in the vehicle, and it hit the driver's door. And I uh, did not have a scratch on me. Wow. And was released from the hospital rather quickly. You know, the ambulance took me away, of course. They used the jaws of life to get me out. And during my recovery, I would wake up in the morning around four o'clock in the morning. And like a robot, I would go to my computer and write. And one day it occurred to me I was writing a book. And after my accident, uh, and I've had many, and enlightenment doesn't happen all at once. I mean, there's the soul nudges you very quietly and expertly to guide you on your path. But then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, we're tired of waiting for you. Like, here's a really big bang for you to really be who you've come here to be. And so what that enlightenment did for me was when I look back over my past, I saw all the synchronicities and coincidences that had to happen to pull so many things together. And I became fascinated with that because I was just living my life, not realizing that there was this golden thread that had pulled everything together for me. And when it came time to release the book, I was really afraid that the further we got in the the publishing process, the more afraid I became is that because when this would be released, then people would know really who I was because I told it in my story and I almost went with a pen name. And then one month before the book was released, I just realized that, no, this is my work and my name deserves to be on it. And I made that decision. And when I released it and it went out to social media, I was couldn't believe the warmth and the arms had opened for me and the sales that I had based on people wanting to know. But I was afraid and I, I was afraid of being judged. I was afraid of people knowing if I had intuition and all these special abilities that I might be able to read their mind which I've never been able to do sometimes I get inclinations uh, and people always want to have sovereignty over over themselves right so my biggest fear was judgment if I was going to stand in in who I came here to be can you speak a little bit about that have you experienced that and what your thoughts are on that Well, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I
0: also had an experience getting in a car, I mean, a whole other thing, but I felt so judged and so continually insulted in my family that I didn't let anybody read my writing for years. I had such low self-esteem and I was afraid that if I let people read my writing, that the blood in my heart that flowed through my veins out the ink of the pen onto Mm -hmm. the page, Mm -hmm. that people could read it and trace it back into my heart and wound me. So Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever let people look at my writing. I know in my late 20s, I didn't, except for school papers. So anyway, there was such censure and ridicule that it kept me from sharing my work I've hardly put it out I mean except on my own I haven't you know sent out to magazines and such as that I just I mean I thought I don't have room for any more criticism (laughs) in my heart and in my life and I don't remember when I started, I kind of thought that my word stuff and the significance I was attaching to it was all make-believe. And so I, you know, I was afraid of what would happen. And actually, I wrote a manuscript in the 80s called Psychosemantics English in Translation, spelled (laughs) T-R-A-N-C-E. I was told by a a publish an editor at a publishing house that without a PhD, you can just forget it. And so that was that. And had I been able to publish it, I would have been at the mercy of all the academic linguists, you know, looking to eviscerate my ideas. But what happened instead was in the early nineties, I wrote a poem. I didn't think it was very good. I just stuffed it in a drawer. But a friend asked me about it and then invited me to share it at her at her event. And the uh, president of a New Age record label uh, was there and said, would you like to do an album of your verse? So I turned everything I discovered about words into performance art and could be just bypass the uh, academic linguists and mm-hmm. go directly to people. And and in one of the poems, one of the early ones, I, I say now from these words, you may deduce some of the metaphysical mother goose. And so, yeah, I was terrified of it. And when you talked about being uh, afraid, of sharing work and being oneself, I thought about a quote I have from Oscar Wilde, who said, Most people are other people. Their thoughts are someone else's opinions, their lives a mimicry, their passions a quotation. And then from the poet E. E. Cummings, he said, To be nobody yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. I don't know that I completely agree with that, that it's such a fight, but I think it's more a decision. Who would you rather be than to be yourself? And mm-hmm. one of my favorite words that I call a sacred path word is came about when I was walking in nature and I said to my invisible friends, please give me a new word. And they gave me the true meaning of beautiful. And it is beautiful because there's nothing more exquisite than our own being, our own presence, which mm-hmm. is unique and quirky and I once was looking at the word eccentricity and yes. I thought, well, what is this Eck? we're supposed to be centered on? <laughs> and having put the question out to the universe several days later, I was reading uh, a New Yorker magazine and there in it was the word echt, E-C-H-T. And it's a German word that means real, authentic, and actual. So I thought we are meant to be echt-centric centered on our authentic self. And someone recently said that EC is like the Latin X, it means away from. So Mm -hmm. when we're eccentric, then we are kind of off kilter and weird. But when we're, because we're off our center, but when we're in our center, when we are centric, then uh, our beauty of being is so exquisite that no matter what we look like, People see and hear and feel beauty in our presence, and it's blinding beauty that can obscure any sort of
1: imperfections
0: in our appearance.
1: Beautiful. Thank you very much for that. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant Show, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Simitrax. And today, Oh my goodness, I have the wonderful pleasure to be in the company of Laurel Erica, and she's going to let us know about her books, where you'll be able to reach out to her. She has a beautiful website. I just, it's spellbounding to be in her website because it is the true essence of who she is. And sometimes we have a hard time in life when we have a body of work that our website supports who we are as a person, and as an artist.
0: Thank you. I had built my own website, and then in about 2018, an amazing man named Shane Dieter uh, reached out to me, having heard something of mine online, and said, let me rebuild your website. So that is compliments of Shane Dieter, of Dieter Designs, and Dore the Man, So wordmagicglobal.com, you'll see upcoming events. I often, most every month, I lead writing circles online where these are small circles where people bring their pages to share and to receive feedback and support from the heart. And so empowering. So many people have published as a result of being seen (laughs) and heard and beautifully reflected. And the intention is at the end of December, I'm going to go spend time with Shane Dieter and put together my word magic global evergreen course so you can learn how to play with words the way I do. And Mm -hmm. I just, um, and and I have books for sale, as you'll see on the website under the store, the newest one being Gifts of Presence. Mm -hmm. There's also a free ebook for subscribers to the site. And it's called The Book of E, A Book of Alphabet Alchemy. And speaking of alphabet alchemy, if you go on to my Patreon site, which is patreon.com, Word Magic Global, you'll see that for a small donation, you'll be able to find my the full animation of my poem on the letter S called Esoterica by Laurel Erica, the definitive exegesis on the letter S in verse. So that's some of what I can share. And, and joining a, a writing circle will be right now the easiest way to play with me on a regular basis.
1: Wonderful. I'll ask you a couple of questions that I ask all of my guests as we uh, start to wrap up the show. Do you feel that you've been called to your journey, crafted it, or a bit of both? Well,
0: I was born into it. Sometimes the daemon is like that inner genius that we all have. For some people, it's loud and takes over a life. For other people, it's quiet and then in the background. I think if I had married my Damon would have uh, had to take the back seat. So I'm grateful that my life partner became my creative work. I was definitely called to it and have co-created it with inspiration from spirit.
1: Beautiful. I love that. And what extraordinary discovery have you made in your life?
0: Oh, I've made so many with words, all the gifts that I've learned and this whole body of work and the bigger picture that emerged from it. Also, it's like the rapport with nature. Once I was doing some of that deep breathing and the phrase that occurred to me was that the the roots of words are in the roots of trees. Wouldn't you know it? So beautiful rapport with nature i have felt like an emissary of the nature kingdom here to help humans harmonize speech to become as resonant with mother nature as the most beautiful bird songs and cricket choirs for if our words so melt the heart they start the milk of human kindness flowing so that every time we speak our mind we set another flower growing then i believe before our very eyes we human beings like butterflies will fully metamorphosize and that's a little stanza from open heart synchrony and definitely what i aim toward When I speak and share word magic, and I'm very grateful, Rhonda, for this opportunity to speak with you and your audience. Thank you so very much.
1: Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show, to be in your company, and to befriend you. It's just been wonderful. Thank you very much, Laura. Thank you. It's been a divine delight. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant Show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rondagrantauthor.com. That's rondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by
0: Cymatrax.